Hey, it's Monday, August 26th, 2019, and welcome back to Actors on Process. My guest today is actor Greg Keller, and before I play today's interview for you, I thought that I might set it up a little bit. It's 2016, I haven't worked as an actor in a little bit, I'm feeling a little down on myself, and I go away from, you know, the audition grind, and I make a list of actors who I greatly admire, and Greg Keller is on the top of this list. And I thought about how I might be able to get in touch with him, and a great friend of mine from college, Avery Tronco, hi Avery, uh, had worked with him in the past, and she put us in touch. He was super supportive and answered me back in an email. And we met up for coffee uh, an hour or so before he had to go to his evening performance of Our Mother's Brief Affair on Broadway at the Manhattan Theatre Club. We met up, we chatted, I took a lot of notes, I so appreciated our time together, and uh, we hadn't seen each other then for about three years until we sat down this past April and recorded this interview. While Greg was just starting rehearsals, for the play Do You Feel Anger at the Vineyard Theater. It's a great conversation. I'm still a huge fan, and I hope after this conversation, if you haven't yet seen Greg in a play, you will be a fan too. And now, Greg Keller. still figuring out how uh, your email got through my agents and managers, because uh, usually I just say, do you know who I am? I don't have time for this kind of thing, but uh, I'm glad that that worked out. <laughs> yes, yes. It was actually, I mean, a friend did sort of put us in touch, which I was kind of happy about, but um, it was sort of a whim, but nevertheless. Was it helpful at all? Yeah, it was amazingly helpful. Okay, good. Like, I don't know if you remember, but like shortly after we did that, I like went and did a play like in DC and I was like working with people who had like worked with you before and I like emailed you being like, uh, so yeah, things are going okay at the moment. Yes, I, I um, do remember. Yeah, it was sort of like I a, assumed you were lying to make me feel good. No, but no, it was good. a good time. Okay, yeah. good. So life is good, but but this is about you. So. Why? I think that people need to know more about you. James. Oh, I think they'll know enough. <laughs> By the end of this, I think they'll know quite enough. But uh, I want you to paint me a picture of who was Greg growing up. Oh, man. Uh, who was it. I? I don't even know. I have a bad memory. Um, I don't know. My mom said, told me recently that I was like a very ebullient, uh, fun little kid. And then at around seven or eight, I got really quiet. Huh. And um, I have an older sister who is four years older. And when I came on the scene... You know, it's always threatening to the older kid, and she did a lot of uh, song and dance to try to win back my parents' affection, I think. And um, I was just like, you know, why don't you you take that role, and I'll just play the background and be the quiet, nice, shy kid. And then, but, you know, inside, we're all dying to be seen Mm -hmm. and to let it out and have a voice. And that's probably... um, how I became an actor, that's not what you asked. My youth, I was like a little, uh, I was a very sporty kid. I was a, I was a jock. It's hard to call me a jock because I went to public school in New York, which is not the jockiest of environments, but uh, I loved sports. I was an athlete. That's like most of what I did. I played everything and... Um, I don't think I ever thought I was going to like be a professional athlete. I think I had a decent sense even back then, but um, I definitely wasn't thinking at all about acting as a serious thing. Because like I said, I was pretty pretty quiet and shy and playing sports and just not thinking about that. Mm. Um, yeah, uh, that was sort of my youth. It was in New York, like I said. Yeah. Um, 
growing up on the main streets of Manhattan. <laughs> so when was it sort of that you kind of like, when did you know that this was something? Was it high I, uh, yeah, there was a seminal, uh, moment. I was, um, I think I was, I'm going to change that. There were a bunch of moments. One was we had this thing called arts day at school and me and a bunch of friends did Monty Python sketches for arts day. And it was like first time I was in front of a big audience and like, Laughter. Got laughter. And as you, as you know from my work, uh, I am a bit of a whore in that way that I will uh, do whatever it takes to get a laugh. So that's where that sort of instinct started. Um, but then, and then uh, there was like an elective in high school later on when I was like a junior or so. It was a sort of an acting class, but it was called like production workshop or something. And somebody dropped out of a school play. There was a section that was student written and directed plays at my school and somebody dropped out. And I, at the time, was in the volleyball season and they were like, when you do this play, uh, you know, you're not bad in class. Do you want to do it for real? And I was like, all right, I'll take over. Um, I had to miss a volleyball scrimmage. I got benched in the first game of the finals because of it. That transcends time, because even today, that's still such a huge, and I hate that part of the education system a little bit, because I think it's the one time in your life when you can do, like, everything. Totally. Totally, yeah. I hate that that's such a thing. No, our volleyball coach was treating it like we were training for the Olympic team. He's like, you gotta decide. Are you gonna play volleyball or act? And I was like, I don't think I actually have to decide yet. I think I wanna do it all. Eight, yeah. Um, (laughs) So, so yeah, but that was around. That was like right at the end of high school, and then when I got to college, and I dug it, and then when I got to college, it was like, I think if I had gone to a big school, I maybe would have been scared and intimidated to even try acting. But it was a really small liberal arts college, Connecticut College in New mm-hmm. London, and so you know the the scene was small enough that you could kind of take a class and dip your toe in. And I started doing more acting there, and. I ended up minoring in theater, but that's where I started doing plays. And when I got out, I wasn't even thinking I was going to try it because that seemed ludicrous. And I interned at a film company, sort of on the other, thinking I was sort of going to go into the other side of things. And But I really missed acting and yeah. thought, like, if I don't give it a shot, I'll regret it. So went back to some programs, blah bitty blee started pounding the pavement, and... That's how I got here. So is this a segue into, like, scrappy business time? <laughs> um, scrappy I recall when we met, you you mentioned that when you left undergrad, you were bad at the flea. Yes. And you, you were... I was a bat. It sounded like you said I was bad at the oh, flea, which I was. No, you were not. You were a bat. Yes. B-A-T. Yes. That flies. At the flea. And you worked at Randomout Theater Company. So what was this... I don't think... Does that program still exist? Or what was that? Uh, I don't think it does. Uh, I don't know if it does. I don't, I have not heard of it, but I, they, the roundabout used to, um, you know, in their, the, well, they had an off-Broadway space and did they have a Broadway space or they just like, can't remember how it worked. They had two off-Broadway spaces, I want to say, back in the day. Uh That was before the American Airlines Theater or anything. And they had a, they had a thing where you could, uh, be a non-equity actor who was like an understudy and like set dressing for the show kind of and it was called I think equity membership you were an oh, EMC. EMC yes uh-huh. does that still exist that still exists yes. it does mm-hmm. and and I don't think at roundabout does it exist on Broadway you can do that no yeah I think if you are on Broadway you are equity you have to be equity right yeah. so I guess maybe because it was non-profit or something you could earn a point a week Wow. Uh, and I guess if you got like 40 or something, you'd be equity. But I ended up um, doing a Shaw play there. Doing it is, that's not true. I was, I carried a tray and I understudied, which was amazing. I mean, we got to rehearse the play yeah. uh, on that stage. I was like 23 or something. And 
and it was with Robert Sean Leonard and Helen Carey and Charles Keating and all these uh, amazing actors and I would just you know I was sit in rehearsal and watch and learn and yeah I ended up doing three plays like that wow. and that was like that's and, invaluable I it, mean, that's... It, it was invaluable and it was also like that's what really was like ooh I want to do this yeah. once you because nothing you know college theater is what it is and it's great and acting class is amazing but actually being in a rehearsal room and seeing professionals work and seeing you know that it's not always just uh, pretending you're an animal right, and rolling right. around rolling around in all black clothing yeah um that was really exciting and watching them do like technical yeah. things and just learning about like oh I can't move on this person's laugh line and just mm-hmm. dumb things it's just it's also like learning through osmosis it's this idea of like yeah it, you learn so much by watching other yeah. people do it so that, I mean that's incredible that that was a thing that they they offered yeah I know so that was like the, those were all part of like the quote unquote I keep saying scrappy I when love we, it. When we met, because you had you had <laughs> described it as, as scrappy. It was so scrappy. It was very scrappy. You were doing that, and, and you were auditioning, and you were were you like represented at the time, or were you like not really? Here and there, I would like uh, somehow talk somebody into sending me out for a little bit, and mm-hmm. nothing would happen, and they wouldn't return my calls, or I would talk to a friend, and I would. I, I remember I had like I would have representation for little like chunks, yeah, and then it would just sort of dissolve um, and a manager here or there but these are the days when you had to like send your picture and resume in the mail with like a manila envelope I have to tell you I still do that sometimes there's no shame in that there's it's no beautiful I kind of love it it feels like you will hopefully be receiving this I just assumed everything's on a computer these I days I think a lot of people uh, I mean like with like if you're sometimes I will do like a like, you know, a sensible self-submit sometimes for something. Like, I haven't met someone or I, um, I like, send a hard cover, like, catch on re- a hard copy, catch on resume and, like, a cover letter. And I'll just be like, let's see. Because in email, I think, you know, people probably are inundated with hundreds of emails. Totally. A day. So it just feels a little bit more, like, concrete. Totally. It's like having a pen pal. Yeah. Yeah. You just get a letter in the mail. It's nice. From your... Friend from Italy. Exactly. Yeah. Or from, you know, Manhattan. Yeah. But it's like yeah. a nice, I think it's like a nice thing. But so, all right. What led you then to grad school? You know, uh, I was out on the streets uh, supplying my trade and trying to get work and doing the whole dance we were just talking about of trying to find somebody to represent you and... Um, how do you get auditions, period, and, you know, it was some, well, I did go to grad, I went to grad school for a year, uh, when I was 24, I went to ACT for a year. Okay. Um, and it was around this time when I was doing these, like, I'm carrying a tray, I'm carrying a samovar. Yeah. Um, and... I was like, all right, I'm going to do this. I need training. Uh, So I got into ACT in San Francisco. But meanwhile, I was sort of like doing these cool little New York gigs. And I was like, "Uh, I need training. But like maybe this training on the streets is the way to go. Um, And so I went to ACT for a year and kind of missed being in New York and was like, uh, three years of going to class and I don't even know if I can hack it. Let me, I need to see what this is about. And I went back to New York, had another five years of bouncing around and, you know, occasionally working, being a bat, uh, these kinds of things. And, you know, some combination of like wanting to make sure that I was the best actor I could be and see, going to shows and seeing like training NYU, training NYU, training Juilliard, training you. Yeah. I was like, okay, I see a little bit how this works. Um, mm-hmm. So I then applied to NYU and went there for three years. Um, and that was a great. That was a great decision and great program. Um, 
because I think it kind of did both things. It yeah. did really um, make me a better actor, and it also totally gave me a entree uh, into the world. And then I think just people just take you just a, a tiny bit more seriously and give you a, a second look, and mm. uh, and then I started working more. Yeah. Was there something like in school that you felt like scared or challenged you the most? I mean, uh, a lot of things. I'm not a good singer. I know it's surprising because um, you hear my voice and you're like, I want to hear more of that in song. We are going to talk about that in Great. a second though. Um, but, but like, I loved singing and um, it was so fun to like, have something you could really grow in and did you take voice lessons at school yeah you have oh. three years of singing of like singing yeah um oh. you know and like thinking about songs as monologues yeah. and just like things that i had never thought about uh -huh. and like didn't even understand when i would like watch a musical why i would respond to something or not and what was some what was like a piece that you worked on that you really liked in school well, you know, she she would kind of sometimes she would tailor things to fit your needs. In mm -hmm. my case, it was like, why don't we start with like three notes? But <laughs> otherwise, but you could also then bring things that you liked. And she dug like Randy Newman, and I did. So, you know, I sung some Randy Newman songs. Um, you know, it usually the things that ended up having some kind of emotional connection and you know everybody has their day where like they can't make it through the song like, so yeah weeping. because oh, they're weeping um and those are the best um so uh yeah um that was i love that okay that's so funny because i mean the, yeah that's every program oh yeah like if you're not crying you're Oh, totally. I mean, well, that was the thing that was going on outside of singing class as well. Just like in acting class, you would just have like a checklist mm -hmm. of like, okay, James today? cried today. Right. He doesn't have to anymore. Right, right. And then it was like, oh, the last person they have yeah. not cried. We were in undergrad. We were doing, it was like Greek monologues, one unit. And, and you walked around the room and you, you know, you were milling and seething as we worded it. And you had to stop and you would share a breath with the person before you would go. And then you would drop into your piece and hopefully by the end of it it was just so overwhelming so much that you would just right hopefully wild. you would cry forget about the story <laughs> anything that is trying to be communicated mm -hmm. by Sophocles preferably if it's a little self-indulgent yeah yeah that's that's that is the goal as long as you learn that lesson that that's the important thing the tears <laughs> but so in general was there ever like a breakthrough moment for you in grad school where something like clicked in a way that you were like like, or was it the sort of like song as a monologue? I mean, like, I don't know about like a like, like you know, what? right. I, I don't think there was a light bulb moment, but like definitely like voice was something that I sort of, when I went to school, I, I did want to act in plays. It's, I know it's a weird antiquated notion and uh, most people go to school to be on TV, but I, w I grew up in New York and like going to plays and I was just like, how do I do that? And I kind of knew that like voice was important um, and mine's kind of weird. And so, you know, that was like a journey and a thing and like try, you know, not losing yourself and who you were, but, you know, uh, opening up in those ways. Um, but... Yeah, it's, I, there's. I mean, there's a little. Th I, my acting teacher at school also was a guy named Ron Van Loo, who the the reason I went to NYU is because I had taken like four or five classes with Ron Van Loo outside of school at the Actors Center, and really, you know, just dug him and and he, you know, a lot of the ways I think about acting and. Uh, are, are from Ron and I remember and I listened to like some of Fred's interview and he talked about like naturalism yeah and yeah I, that was something that like obviously like every young actor is obsessed with and I was too and wanted to be the realest of the real and like I remember a scene once where 
Ron said something to the effect, I don't even think I was in it, but he was like, you know, uh, well, basically he was like, naturalism is, is a style, is, is, you know, is also just another style. And that sort of, you can be acting natural, but not really acting the scene or telling the story of the scene or fully inhabiting it that, um, so there was, uh, there was, I don't know, I want to like edit this now <laughs> and go back and start this thing about naturalism over again. <clears throat> but basically you like how I thought about acting, um, definitely shifted there. And I stopped worrying about like, oh, is this like, is this just oozing truth? Uh, it seems weird to say like the truth became less important, but uh -huh. you start to realize that like the truth isn't only one size and it's not only one thing and that, you know, the just saying the words of a script out loud will take you half you the go. way. Yeah. 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 That's true. It could be kind of gross out of that back. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, I love all of it. But um, so I know in one of the interviews I read, I don't remember which one it was, but this was not something I scribbled down. I remember reading something. Um, I know you've been offered like many great parts like recently in the last like five, ten years or so. Um, but I'm wondering if you'll humor me for a second and like chat, like audition process. Oh my God. I, that's, yeah. I, I, I don't know about 10 years. Very recently. Very recently. I've, you know, begun to be offered things, which is a wonderful feeling. If there's any young directors listening out there, actors love being offered things. <laughs> so if you want a good performance, offer people stuff. Um, but uh, no, I'm auditioning all the time. Great. Uh, what do you want to know? So, uh, try to memorize the lines. Right. Well, that's one thing. But I, I, I wrote down in 2016 that you said, I'm excited to do this audition for you. And sometimes I find that I'm like really excited to do it too. And then sometimes I'm really dreading it in a way that like freaks me out. And I'm wondering if you sort of like, um, Sometimes I also find myself on like a really good streak where like I'm like, wow, I'm feeling really good in the room and doing a great job. And then suddenly it's like I hit a wall. And like it's a scary thing when I feel like I can't get back on the horse. And I'm wondering like how do you, if that ever happens, what do you do to like get yourself back in the groove? Well, first of all, don't ride a horse to auditions. I know. Because so where you park. But um, <laughs> what do I do in auditions? I think it's, it's sort of similar to the... Uh, to my super articulate uh, section on naturalism, <laughs> which is to say, like, what you're experiencing as, like, oh, my God, I'm so off the horse and so off to the side, like, I feel like um, it just becomes, you get sort of less precious about it and realize that all of the things that you're feeling inside aren't necessarily manifesting themselves out in the world. Um I mean, you know, maybe somebody who has, like, audition tapes of mine would disagree with that. <laughs> but uh, I feel like especially in theater, yeah. like, the container is much sort of bigger than you think it is. So I feel like, um, yeah, you know, being on stage or in an audition, you're always going to go in and out of focus and of actually listening. Mm -hmm. But I think the key is not to panic that you weren't. And, oh, God, everybody saw me be a fake-o, you know, and, and just kind of um, get on with it. Because another great uh, thing I heard once in a class was with uh, when I took a class with Austin Pendleton, who said... There's about a 2% difference between your best performance and your worst performance, which, like, I might correct to, like, 8% difference, but I think, in general, that idea actually really stuck with me and was, like, right. He was, like, not only is there not that much difference in what, when you think you bombed when we th or when you think you were awesome, but there's a chance that you were actually better when you thought you are you, when you thought you bond, that you actually were more interesting, that you, you know, did something weird to the story you were telling, or that you threw yourself off in a way that made you spontaneous or something. Mm -hmm. So I think, like, that precious notion of, like, being good or bad 
I just think is more subjective and I think you just build up the muscle to be like, you know, I've been tired before and I'm allowed to stink for this four second period in here. Um, hopefully I'll, I'll get back on that proverbial horse and do something interesting in the next five seconds. Yeah. That totally makes sense. Yeah. Um, how about like if you get, let's say, um, you get an audition and it's like 17 pages tonight and it's tomorrow at 10 in the morning versus you get 17 pages but you have a week. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I think you, the, I, I, hopefully they gave everybody a day for those 17 pages. <laughs> so um, maybe you ask your agent, am I the only one who has a day? Do I have to make it look like I had a week? Um, mm. But in general... I think you, I mean, also like, uh, you know, I hesitate to say anything, you know, to like, well, as you get older, but like you do, st when somebody gives you an audition that's 17 pages a day before, nowadays, I'm like, go F yourself. Mm -hmm. Like so my, I'm like, you, you're clearly not caring about your own thing and you're not sort of caring about these actors and their prep. So like, you know what you're getting. So um, I feel free to go in there and roll and read it off the page and you know I think doing something can commensurate with how much time you're given is totally fine and mm -hmm. sure if it's something that you love and you think you're so right for yeah I would probably bust my butt and stay up much of the night to work on it yeah to work on it and try to get as familiar as need be but like you know I might like carve out a section that I think it's important to actually be present with and be able to listen. And then mm. there might be a section that you're... I'm on the page for a second, but... Exactly. It's sort of like auditioning is an acting in some ways. Yeah. It's like a little bit of a game. Definitely. And I mean, that, and that's actually another thing that is, I feel like, good advice of, of just think of it as an opportunity to act and enjoy yourself and... You know, if you only have a day, you're just like working on, you're just doing some scene work and you're gonna be like, I'm just bringing this thing in to class early. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, t take the pressure off yourself. Yeah. yeah, easy for me to say. No, I mean, yeah, it's a very, like I find like sometimes I will, this is like an anxious thing in my, in my life in general. Like in high school, it was like with tests or this and that. It's like you spend like, there was actually a line, I forget about what it was, in the Curious Incident, that play about um, the character Christopher like had to take his like maths test. And he was like, I spent a half hour doing groaning. And then I had like 12 minutes to finish the rest of it. And it's like, sometimes I find I get in my own way of like, the panic of like, oh my God, how do I, instead of just like, just sit down and open the book. Yeah, yeah. I mean, literally just start like reading it Allowed, yeah. So that if you're, you know, even if you're nothing brilliant is happening, you're just like familiarizing yourself right. with it and just repeating it, so that, yeah, you get it just starts to feel. Part yeah, of you. yeah. Take the pressure off. I think that's gonna be like the thing. I go home and like underline and highlight and totally. That. But um, so now we're now we're in the plays. Greg is doing plays, and so the purposes for the purposes of today, let's go backwards. And just go through some of the ones I've seen you in, or some of the ones that I've read. And we'll start with this one right now. So it's called, Do You Feel Anger? You're in rehearsals right now. You got out early today. Can you talk a little bit about who your character is? Or are we waiting for previews? I mean, I don't want to give anything away, mm -hmm. but... Um, Even just, what is his name? His name is John. Okay. Um, he works at a debt collection agency. Okay. He is sort of, uh, for, for, their, for the characters and the play's purpose, the boss. Although he probably has somebody else breathing down his neck that is not in the play. Sort of middle, middle management. Okay. Um, he likes to think that he is a really great boss and a good guy. Um, and you can decide if you agree with that when you come to see the play. Um, but it's a very, very funny uh, play by Mara Nelson Greenberg. Um, yeah. Cool. Yeah. I'm uh, excited. I can't wait. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah. let's back up for a second. So your, your cast. 
you're doing you're about to start rehearsals what is the first thing you're doing with that script to prepare for a rehearsal that's a good question um i mean to prepare for rehearsal like first day i'm like reading the script over making sure that I know what all of the words mean mm -hmm. and how to pronounce them. So at the first read through, I don't embarrass myself. Mm -hmm. But um, I mean, you know, I feel like I try not to go in with too much just because you don't know what the other people are going to be giving you. You don't know what the director is wanting. So I try to, you know, let that stuff be informed by being in the room, working with other people. I mean, lines is really the thing. I feel like there's never a process where you're like, oh yeah, I, I mean, even still, I'll be a month into a show and be like, oh, well now it's super comfy. Like, mm -hmm. uh, I think like most young actors, I would just be like, you know, know your lines like mm -hmm. it's so dumb but it's like that familiarity brings relaxation and that's when you can truly listen, play yeah. and that's when you can truly listen and not be in your head so um i think like my job outside of the room is like just make sure i know the words and then I like to think now it's pretty instinctual that I wouldn't be able to do something without playing something or without having some action, but I don't go through a script and like beat it, beat out, it out or like say what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. There might be a part where I feel like there's sometimes a, a part I feel like I don't totally understand so you like work what I'm it. doing here. Yeah, and then you just sort of highlight it in your head and then when you're in rehearsal, once you're with another person, maybe it clarifies itself. yeah and and then like like uh well tonight or like any night like you sort of like you go home from rehearsal and is it kind of like i'm digesting everything that we did or are you looking ahead to like when you get that call sheet for tomorrow are you like preparing in advance or kind of no these days i'm yeah it's like i i understand the the when you're working and when you're not working uh -huh. and that like um it's not just taking time off it's like allowing something else to come in mm -hmm. and there's also that kind of like unconscious learning or like the kind of like I like distance it for a second yes I do something called extremely unconscious learning <laughs> um, where I basically black out and then return the somehow. next day just refresh yeah I mean I'll look at something if it's really like uh, you know if something's not working or it's bugging me or if um you know, I also do a lot of new plays, so, you know, sometimes... There it's changing. Are, it's changing, and there are new pages, and, like, uh, I try not to, like, bang my head against it too much because you could come in the next day and that scene doesn't Gone. exist anymore, um, which, you know, I hope doesn't sound glib. I think it's more just, like, I think you should show up sort of present and ready to play and not full of your own ideas about yeah. it that have been informed by nothing else except right. your brain. Totally. Um, what is your favorite part of being in the rehearsal room for a new play? And that goes for this, the Thanksgiving play. I mean, you know, like when you're in college and you, you, you read a Samuel French play and there's the names in the front. Yes. And then like... You, you know, you got to pinch yourself sometimes. So you're like, oh man, my name, I'm, now I'm that guy. Yeah. Um, but I think, I mean, doing a new play, like I just love uh, being a part of a new thing in the world that is part of the zeitgeist and the new ideas that we're all dealing with on a daily basis are, you know, the playwright is struggling with the same things and we're all kind of trying to figure it out together. I mean, I love being part, you know, being in a scene that something isn't quite uh, making sense or working and the you're helping the playwright figure it out by committing to what is there and asking questions and, um, yeah, I just, I love being part of a, a script 
being written. I mean, I've been in shows where playwrights wrote 60, 70 new pages of a script, um, you know, which sucks in previews, but that's, that's so exciting. It's part of the job. Yeah. 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 That's, and, and, I mean, the idea that, like, hundreds of people haven't interpreted it before um, mm. is exciting, too, and totally. just a kind of weird, yeah. selfish virginal way yeah yeah just like you feel ownership totally and you know yeah acting there's so much that you don't feel ownership over so that's really nice absolutely now I told you we'd return to this but uh in another interview I found from Broadway Box you said the last musical that you were in was West Side Story in 6th grade (laughs) and first of all I need to know who did you play Baby John oh my god that's great (laughs) And second, you sang quite a bit in the Thanksgiving play. It uh, is not a musical, but it's true. You did sing quite a bit. That's true. I I was a little sick for a lot of that, which was oh. sad because uh, I actually sang in a play uh, at the Vineyard before that, and there it was a part oh. of the play where it actually needed to. I just sing for a brief bit, but it's supposed to show, like, you don't expect this guy to be able to sing, and he sings, and it's beautiful, and everybody's like, whoa, you're in our troupe. And and I thought I pulled it off, um, and so then I was psyched for... Thanksgiving. Yeah, for the Thanksgiving play when I could sing, and then, like, I got sick, kind of, and... It wasn't as beautiful as... There was also, like, you know, people who... There was also, like, Broadway musical singer. Well, yes, but... But, yeah, everybody's got their style. You were great, but... I mean, this is not about the Thanksgiving play, but do you think that you would ever consider doing a musical in New York? Oh, my God, totally. I would love to. I would... I mean, I could only do a musical where I was that, like, had that one weird character speak song or whatever. <laughs> That's how much I know about musicals that I call them speak songs. I get it. Um, but, like, <clears throat> or the, yeah, or the character that's going through puberty. But, um, I, oh, I would love to. I mean, my sister, like, I grew up listening to, my sister played tons of, like, records of musicals and, um... And I went into my first, some of my first theater-going experiences were like Cats and Into the Woods and, and I, I love musicals. I, yeah, I, I would, I, yes, I've tried to put it out there that if anybody wants like a weirdo character actor in their musical, I'm available. You and Maria both blew my mind with this answer. She like emphatically was like, yes. Yeah, no. She was like, I really want to do one. And I was like, <laughs> you do? Wow. Yeah. It makes me so happy. But, yeah. <laughs> um, I love that. Um, for the Thanksgiving play, how much of that changed in the rehearsal process? Because I saw it, and I wondered how much already existed in the script versus like what you as Jackson, I'm saying his name right? Yes. Uh, discovered in the room, and then like was any of that incorporated into the script then? Because it seemed very playful. It was really fun and... Yeah, uh, not a ton. I mean, there we did. We, there were little changes and stuff, but that play actually had had uh, a production before oh, that, and Larissa felt like it was pretty done. And you know, and uh, and mo- yeah, and mostly, I mean, we we found ways to make it our own. And if there was something that was really some of the. The interstitials, we had to sort of come up with the way that we were going to do it. Yeah, Yeah. and that stuff was a little little bit more informed by us, but as far as the words go, not a ton changed from first to last, but that's nice to hear that it it seemed like... Yeah, it was fun, it was spontaneous, it was really... I really enjoyed that. I had like a seat right in like the front row. It was such a like intimate thing. I kind of was like, no, I'm sure you got spat on a lot. No, I don't think so. I really had a, an amazing time there, though. But um, let's go to our mother's brief affair fast. Okay. Which is, like, the time that I originally reached out to you. But, I mean, that play, like, struck such a chord. I'm such a Richard Greenberg fan. Me too. And, um, I mean, so much of it hit home. Like, you played Seth, a gay man from Long Island. I think he was, like, from Merrick, specifically, <laughs> which is, like, the town that I'm literally from. Wow. And um, so I just identified with it and you in that play. And um, one of the questions I have is just in regards to Linda Lavin, I remember you saying... 
she's, quote, always totally present. We play, and we subtly try different things. And I'm wondering, like, you also are a playwright. And I'm wondering, like, how much can the play change every night? And, like, what what is, like, allowed or what isn't allowed, sort of? Uh, yeah, I, I think that's, uh, you know, depending on the play, where the play's being done, who the director is, those things all change a lot and matter. And, like, I have started processes where the director said, like, um, we're not even going to have blocking. I'm just going to light, you know, and you guys go. Like, do what you feel. That changed a little when, like, the award-winning lighting director was like, no, No. Greg, you have to stand right there because I have to light you. But, um... But it can, I don't know, I mean, in the end, I don't, it, I feel like you land on choices because you can get behind them and you believe in them Mm. and you're sort of doing what you think this person does in that scenario. So like, you know, uh... Like, there's only a couple people I've seen who actually, like, and now that I say a couple, I feel like Dennis O'Hare is known for, like, just entirely changing the delivery of, like, a monologue on a nightly basis. Um, But I can't think of too many people I've worked with where it's like, what are they doing this time? You know, so it's like, Mm. because... Especially if you're, if we're talking about a a dialogue situation, yeah, you, your fellow actor is responding to you, and yes, like everybody would be game, and you're all professionals at the same time. Like they have made certain choices based on a rehearsal so period. Let's not break out. Yeah, so you you know you can't really go crazy. It's not super kind actually to your other actors but yeah you have to stay alive and mm. and like within things that are you know entirely your own or like a model you know it's fun to do some totally wandering and depending on um but hopefully you're not changing the like it what you're change. doing yeah you're changing maybe or allowing the how to change a little bit yeah um, I wonder if that also like comes back to the thing that you said where like the Austin Pendleton thing of like how sometimes it's like we feel like we were like whoa I interpreted that really differently inside and they're like no actually you just said like one line a little differently right right in your head you're like oh my god I <laughs> yeah and that's so great. far and path. that's that's great I mean if that's keeping you alive in so the you, yeah you got to do what you got to do to 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 keep alive without completely like changing the play yeah changing the play and like <laughs> shitting on your other actors yeah and. You know, their choices. Um, I also remember uh, you saying in an interview that you were interested in tackling a direct address to the audience in that play. Yeah. And I mean, my biggest fear in like doing plays is like when you are the first person on stage and starting the play. And I feel like in that play, you did both. You literally like started the play talking directly to the audience. And um, I'm wondering if by the end of the run, it got easier the more you worked on it or if it remained, quote, harder than it looked. Uh, I really loved doing direct address. I mean, it didn't, I, I can relate to the thing you're talking about of like starting a playoff and like, but something about breaking the fourth wall immediately kind of took the pressure off because you're Mm. not trying to trick anybody into like, I'm a person living a life over here that you're not a part of. I'm just like, no, I'm talking to you guys. And I can just like talk now you know when you're watching direct address and you're like how come that person is not just like talking directly Directly to to me me. might be because like it's very bright on stage and it's very dark in the audience and like you literally sometimes could not see anybody's face so that you know uh, was difficult at first but um i really loved the like uh, breaking of the conceit and it's sort of like immediately it's not precious mm. um, I mean I know direct address some people have very strong feelings about mm-hmm. pro or against um, but 
it was just like a cool thing that exists in theater that like I had never done yeah. um, that I wanted to uh, that I wanted to do because I did have strong feelings. Sometimes I was like, would see a play with director dress, and I'd be like, "Who are you? You're not, you're not talking to me. I'm right here. Mm-hmm. You can talk to me." And so I wanted to see if it was actually what that was like. <laughs> yeah, what that was like. It's not as easy as it looks, but um, but yeah. Uh, yeah, it got easier. On the, all all plays get easier. I think I need to try it because I'm like, I'm pretty afraid of it. I think, but I mean, I've never done it. Yeah, yeah. It depends what you're saying. If you like the play, if you like the things you're saying, right? Um, I felt like, yeah, um, it. No, that's all I'll say about that. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're like almost done. We're like wrapping up really fast, but no. Um, no, I don't want to keep well, it I can long. talk way more about my craft. So just if we, if we run out of questions, just, <laughs> just like allow you let to me kind go. of go for yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Well, when I when I spoke to Maria Dizia, I um we kind of got crunched with time and I didn't get to ask some of the questions that I wanted to in terms of Belleville. So I did not see that production. You can and you can just ask them to me as if I was Maria and I'll answer them <laughs> as Maria and that's fine. Because I know what she would say. You probably at this point do. Um, but I did read it before I spoke to her. Uh, and I do want to watch it badly because it freaked me out bad. Um, now, as I begin this question, just bear with me because it really might be clunky. But like, I have an idea like what I want to ask you and just like see if you go on this journey with me. Great. So, when you worked on Belleville at New York Theatre Workshop, right? Yeah. You had already done the play at Yale Rep. Yep. And you had both already played opposite of each other in Cradle and All at MTC. When, when we did it at New York Theatre Workshop, yes. Yes. So you obviously, by this point, had built a relationship over a number of years. Mm-hmm. Now, this is where the question gets a little clunky. I remember reading in college Uta Hagen's book, Respect for Acting, and she says, very emphatically, stop socializing. Most actors peter away half their lives getting to know each other. You're wasting your time if you spend rehearsals this way. Get to know each other through your work, italicize, exclamation point, end quote. So my question is, it sort of like segues away from you and Maria for a second, but what are your feelings on that? You know, like, you've been in New York, you're doing plays, you know a lot of the actors, kind of. What is that dynamic, in your opinion? Yeah, I mean... uh, I mean, I, I hear what Uta's saying, because I don't think... I, I don't think you need to get, get coffee. To, I don't think you need to get coffee to to act well with each other mm-hmm. uh, and to play with each other. Um, I don't think you have to like know intimate details about that person. And I think as you get older and you start doing things like having babies and you know the the naturally you sort of go out less. Uh, but as a young actor, like you're going to do those things and those things are super fun and great. Um, Especially if you're in, say, New Haven and you're in a play with four people. Right. Like, you're going to get to know each other and and while I agree with Uta that you do not need to get to know another person, I think it can build trust and it can, um, yeah, it can build your stage relationship and, and help chemistry or just kind of help a familiarity and help you feel comfortable with yeah. another person, especially if you're going to be doing intimate things on stage. Right. Um, I think that's why I, I wanted to ask it in regards to that play because it was so vulnerable and it was just like so intimate. Even on the page, I can't imagine sort of like how intense it was sort of doing it. But um, the other reason that I sort of like revisited this question is I went back to my, my college the other day to visit a professor and I stopped into the library for a few minutes beforehand and I just wanted to like send a few emails and type some things out and and I just happened to sit down next to two freshmen who were I think theater students and they were rehearsing a scene from Let Me a Tenor and instead of just rehearsing the scene they went through every line and they were like I think blah blah blah, blah I want to try that what do you think and they went back and forth and I, I almost literally like shut my laptop and like channeled this for a second and I wanted to be like just do it <laughs> Why don't you just give it a try? Just instead of saying what you want to do, I was like, why don't yes. you just read it together? Yes. Not I, in this library where it's yeah. quiet. And go to your dorm room and just yeah. try it. 
I, th- I think uh, they should have paid you to teach them. Because, I should have been their coach. Yeah, you should have been. Because, yes, I mean, in the end, like, that could have been killing lots of things. Now you're prepared for what you're about to receive. And they were great ideas. Sure. So I was like, oh, my God, just I wanted to be like, just go for it. Right. It. But If there's a danger of, like, anticipating ever, that would be right. a way to really exactly step into it. Um, but... But yeah, I th- you know I think you know you you could build up trust in a relationship from like having coffee and talking about you know your life, but you could also build up you know trust from just like showing up every day to rehearsal and being there for them on stage yeah. and doing a play together and learning that there's somebody you can depend on mm-hmm. and is uh, is there for you, um, yeah, which I like to think like. We did and benefited from. Absolutely. Um, in that kind of a play where uh, the stakes are enormously high, um, was it a was it a learning curve for you to sort of balance going where the play needed you to go at night and then letting it go and saying goodbye to it at the end? Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, in general, like, I try to be very not... Whereas, like, in my 20s, I was more like... Bro, I just fucking saw a Pacino movie and I'm so in it right now. Like, uh, now I probably err more on the side of, like, come on, you leave the theater, you leave the character there. But in practice, that that doesn't actually always happen. And, yeah, I definitely see the shows I'm doing bleed into my life and in, in, in small ways I mean with that play it was more like the mood of it because it's so kind of tense and the yeah. mood is kind of dark and you're just sort of in that place and sitting in there like it yeah it definitely would uh, mess with your head and yeah. like I would leave out the side entrance because I didn't like when people came up to me after the show and were like I hated you right um, and I'm like, cool, cool, thanks. thanks. Um, uh, or like, you were so evil, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I did. I did need a little like decompression, and and yeah, doing a show like that, you can't help it, but it messes with your mood, and yeah, it can start to gaslight you slowly and drive you crazy. I mean, I, I had just graduated from college, and I did a production of Sweeney Todd, and I played Toby. And, you know, are you familiar with that show at all? A little bit. Or, like, the film, and, like, the end of, the end of Sweeney Todd is it's just, like, very heavy, and, like, what Toby kind of, like, does, and, and he kind of, like, goes, does he go mad, or is he not mad, and does he kill, like, he kills people, and, like, it's, it's just, like, it, like, grapples with sanity, and I just remember, like, we all had to ride this van home together, and everybody was just, like, giggling, and, like, what are we going to do tonight? And I kind of would just be, like, staring out the window, like, unable to kind of, like, people would be, like, enough. Yeah. Like, you're good. And I'd be, like, yeah, once I get home, I needed, like, 20 minutes. The van ride was, like, 5 to 10 minutes. I needed, like, 20 minutes. I would get home. I would, like, wash my face. There was, like, blood all over my face. You'd like, look at your fellow actors and be, like, I wonder what they taste like. Right. <laughs> and I just needed to, like, get home and, like, become James again for a second. And I was, like... You know, as you get older and you still do this, you need to figure out a way to, like, when you walk out the door. Let's try to work on that, James. But it's, I think it's a, I don't know. Yeah, that's easier said than done. Yeah. Um, I, that I don't have a advice for, for or, or a ritual for, or, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. No, I mean, we're sorry all, to all we're your all listeners. Learning. We're all learning. Um, out of the Darkness, I'm obsessed with the woman who directed that, Anne Coughlin, I think is an amazing director. Uh, I'm such a fan and I'm so happy she's been directing musicals too lately she did Assassins and I just I love her Um, so much existed between the lines in that play dialogue was very scarce and I'm wondering uh, how did she help you mine the subtext of that Um, I mean uh, on that I feel like we uh, we had pretty similar impulses about the play and the tone and the style and things and she she really let us um, you know there are these pauses in the play and um, and this is before like 
the flick shocked the world by having people not speak for right. more than like 10 seconds. Right, but, right. you know, she just let us like behave on stage in an acting class kind of way for long periods um, that when, you, you know, you're first you're scared, like, are people going to leave? We're not right. saying anything. We're just kind of like cleaning the house or something. But um, she really made us feel, you know, like... She trusted us, and like just watching us live was interesting. And um, I never saw it, so I have no idea if it was. Right, right, but right. Um, it was more to kind of allowing us to find things and you know nudge us in certain directions than like actively pouring through the script to mine subtext. Um, totally. Yeah, I, I, is what I would say now. That was that play. I've done other plays with Annie, who I love and who is brilliant, where, like, she, you know, would get very specific about, like, I think this is what's happening here and I think this is how it goes. But um, I just love her. I think she has just such great taste and is so smart about everything that I, yeah, I would do whatever she Whatever she needs. Said. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um these are the last three questions, oh, so man. we're really nearing the end. But um, what do you do? I don't. I really don't know if this pertains to you, since I feel like you're literally never not on a New York stage at the moment. But what do you do when you find that the work isn't coming in or during like a dark time? Um, oh man, um, you know, different things in different uh, parts of my life. Um, in some, like read a book and others drink and watch television <laughs> um i mean i you know i write right um and and i probably started to, you know for exactly this question i was like what do you do when you're not yeah. working and it was a way to stay creative and i was reading all these scripts and thinking about plays and you know and um so I started writing them, and I feel like not, you know, it doesn't have to be writing, but you do have to figure out ways to stay creative and, and to just have your own thing that you can do, say, a podcast, uh, when you're not working. Because, yeah. um, you know, for, for obvious reasons, but also... Um, I mean, just that old thing of, like, when you go into a room and, like, you need the thing just a little bit less. Yeah. Um, it's helpful. It's And you can't really fake that, mm -hmm. you know? You can sort of be like, I don't really... But, like, when you actually have things going on that you've generated and yeah. that, like, you feel good about, it does actually change you yeah. and the way you just your relationship to... Desperation. Right, you don't reek of desperation. You don't exactly. reek of desperation, and that's like a very, you know, kind of sad way to put it, but there are there are just things you give off when you're feeling mm -hmm. good about yourself and what you're doing and grounded. Um, that I, I think that off time is super important. I mean when I, I mean I saw I mean, I was always going to plays. I mean, I still see a decent amount. Um, but, like, I just w wanted to know what was that. I always wanted to, like, see what people were doing. Yeah. Um, you can learn that way. Uh, being a reader uh, is always a, a mm. good thing to do. Um, uh, yeah. Write a play. Be a reader. Make a podcast. Make a podcast. Be a reader. But yeah, stay active. Stay out there. And granted, like, you gotta, you have, you have a job and right. things you gotta do. But um, I feel like the people that, uh, you know, end up working are the people that kind of kept their nose in it and, um, weren't just like well, I'll go to audition when I have one and otherwise I'm, gonna... I'm not thinking about that yeah 
Um, I guess. Yeah. Um, who were your idols growing up? Who did you want to be? Well, like we talked about before, most of my idols were like... Pacino. The Knicks. Um, <laughs> uh, I wasn't actors. Um, but like when I was, you know, when I was my early 20s and I was like, I'm going to do this. Mm. I guess I should like watch actors more. Like think about acting. Like yeah, yeah. I mean... I mean, yeah, I'm not going to lie and say, like, I didn't watch many of Pacino's films. Say, now, I do not think of myself as a Pacino-type actor, but, like, who's going to not say Meryl is good at what she does? Like, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I definitely watched a lot of 70s films. Um, who, uh... I'm trying to think of somebody that's like not obvious straight right. out of like. One time I, I was doing, I forget where I was, and I think it was my freshman year of college, and someone I had just met was like, Who's your favorite actor? And you're not allowed to say Meryl Streep. And I was like, Oh, I was like, I, I wasn't going to. And she was like, Oh, okay. Who is it? <laughs> and we sort of like had that kind of like conversation. But for me, interestingly enough, I didn't really like watch movies growing up. People are always like fascinated by that. For me, it was always Broadway. Theater. Oh, wow. Always, I mean, it was mostly at that age, like musical theater, like stars. But yeah. like, but it's it's changed and evolved so much, like in my life. But like now, I go back and I look at like films, and I'm like, oh my god, what were you doing? Why are you not watching? Like, I mean, you know, he had some goodies on Broadway too, for I sure. Did. Sutton Foster was calling my name in 2002, so I had to. I mean, <laughs> I saw Bernadette Peterson into the woods when well, I was in eighth grade, so you know. Yeah, Bernadette Peterson. You have yours. Tonight. I have mine. Well, she is. The number one for me. So. All right. <laughs> In the musical theater. I'm not going to take her away from you. Um, but you saw The Witch live. I did. I did. Yeah. That's it just right. lives on in that PBS. Um, I don't know if it is PBS. It's just lives yeah. on the VHS tape. For yeah. Me, like. Oh, yeah. It's good stuff. It's a touchstone. So good. For sure. But sorry, I interrupted you. No, no, no. I think, yeah. Yeah, I didn't, uh, I watched like, like, you know, anybody that anybody said was, like, a great actor, I went and, like, watched that stuff. That makes sense. Well, this is the finale now. And this is a, this is a tradition now on the, new, on the new podcast. So we end with a love note from you to the American theater. What makes you keep coming back? And why does it continue to ignite your soul? Uh, I mean, I... You know, going into a dark room with other people and watching other living people is a magical thing. And I, I didn't, you know, I didn't go to church growing up, but I think, you know, uh, the, it's a deep need to congregate with other people and experience something together, experience stories together, and just um, that doesn't happen anywhere other than the theater, uh, where you know not only is everybody on stage pretending and playing make believe, but everybody in the audience is also pretending and playing make-believe that the people on stage are right. real. Everybody is in on this thing together and, and, you know, suspending their disbelief at the same time to be like, no, this is really happening uh, for a couple hours or whatever. And that's like some magical, beautiful thing. Um, so that's probably what keeps me from coming back and also I haven't developed any other marketable skills um, is probably the other reason um, but yeah yeah I wish you know I wish it were cheaper so mm. more people could go and thought about it as something that was relevant to their lives but yeah. Um, but yeah I mean if it wasn't for theater, I wouldn't, like, laugh and cry yeah. in the dark. I and mean... We need that. Yeah. 
mean, in your bathroom, maybe. Well, that, that goes without saying. Yeah. The bathroom darkness is always good, but we we hit the finale. That's, That's it. it? That is it. Call your agent. Tell them that you <laughs> are done with this. But um, this was such a pleasure. Thank you for Glad. reconnecting with me. Thank you for meeting me after rehearsal. And now you're also a new father, so it's time to go home and, and be a father and forget all about this until the morning. Oh, I'm not going to forget about this <laughs> for a long time. Well, thank you, Greg. It was super fun. Thank you so much for having me. Yes. Well, thanks so much, and I can't wait to see the play soon. Yeah, I can't wait for you to see it.